Welcome to Lawler Out Loud, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Christy Lawler, and this podcast focuses on highlighting the amazing men and women that make a difference in the world. And we hope to prove that every single person has the power to make a difference and make an impact. Today's guest is Kristen Davis. First, let me thank you, Kristen, for joining us and sharing your very interesting story, your wonderful experiences, and everything that you're dealing with and facing in our industry right now as a result of quarantines. Well, thank you so much for having me. I know it's the pleasure is mine, and I'm really glad to have you right now, especially because I think that you are going to be able to really put a human voice to the impacts um, that so many millions of people are facing right now in our business. And you're on absolutely. the front lines. You're, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. It's huge. It is huge. And it's, it's quite scary um, for the people that live day to day. And that's part of your background. You understand what that's like. You've been on those front lines. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I spent my entire, um, my, all of my 20s, I, I, my first restaurant industry uh, position was when I was, the day I turned 15 and um, was a, a car hop. So I, I, I understand the business inside and out on all ends of it and, and seeing firsthand what this is doing, what, what, what this current climate is doing to our industry is, is, is crazy. Yeah, it's, it's actually, it's, I, I, I feel helpless at some points. Um, and then I feel hopeful in others because I see that the way that the industry is coming together to support each other. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that people are hurting and they're terrified. Um, so give us a little bit of information about um, what you're doing right now, what your day-to-day is, because I know it's shifted. Right. So um, I am the program director for the organization CORE, Children of Restaurant Employees. And our typical program um, is one where we assist families and support families who are working in the food and beverage service industry, your bartenders, your servers, your chefs, your food runners, hosts, um, the whole gamut, the dishwashers, um, whoever is working in the food and beverage service industry and are dealing with some sort of crisis or catastrophe when they're within their home. So Mm -hmm. our typical families that we're supporting are those that are experiencing some sort of major illness or diagnosis of a parent or child, um, a death of a parent or child, major injury or accident, uh, loss of home due to a fire or something like that. Uh, And right now, obviously the entire industry is in crisis. Um, So, we're, we're getting thousands of inquiries daily right now. We're fielding that are coming directly from the industry and from people who have children that work in this industry that all of a sudden find themselves not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring and knowing that today they need food on their table. They need diapers for their children, formula, um, and a roof over their head, and they don't know how they're going to make those ends meet when their way of in their, their income was suddenly lost or has yeah. just, you know, deplenished into and something no that's not survivable. For that. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and they didn't see it coming. They didn't do it to themselves. And Nobody could have prepared for this. This is something no. that, and I think this is, it, it makes the broader conversation of what are we doing 
as an industry to help support these families, whether there's a a global pandemic happening or just everyday lives, because most are not in the position that they, they weren't able to have a huge savings piled up for an event like this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I spent years in the industry too. Um, on every aspect. I mean, I, my first job was taco slinger at Poncho's Mexican <laughs> Buffet. I was the girl that made the tacos and then moved on to like host, busser, server, bartender, and eventually bar manager. And even as a bar manager at the higher end of the income um, level, I should say, for the front lines, you're, you're still not making a killing. I mean, you're, exactly. you're surviving. You're making something to live on. But no one's getting rich. Nobody's and... getting rich doing these positions. And, and they love it. And it, it's a great mm-hmm. industry. And it, and it does provide so much to people. Um, it, it's a great industry for parents to work in. The flexibility of the hours. The, yes. the ability to, and especially families that I work with that often have children that have some sort of medical disability or special needs of some sort that or, or, or circumstances where one parent is ill and, and the flexibility of that schedule can lend itself to so many different aspects of life. People who are in school, who are, you know, the, it, it has so many positive things that it shouldn't detour people from wanting to be a part of this industry because of a situation like this. It's absolutely true. And this is also an industry for, you know, for as much as it's day-to-day income dependent, there is a lot of love and support in our industry. I mean, we are hospitable people by nature. We genuinely care about the person standing next to us, whether or not we know them. And I think that that's part of the beauty of CORE. Um, And the beauty of your story is coming from stepping out from behind the bar and going into working in this industry that supports families through your organization, you are, you are the story of our business. (laughs) And I think that's why it's important to highlight you, not only to represent core, but to represent the families that have benefited from this organization. So I'd like for you to talk about that a little bit. Sure. So um, as I mentioned before, I, I, I started in the industry when I was 15 years old and up until very recently, recent years, um, was working on the front lines as far as uh, bartending, um, management, uh, serving, all of that was, that's how, it, that was my livelihood for years and years and years. Um, in 2013, my husband and I, uh, we were expecting our first child and my husband also at the time he was working as a chef. I was a bartender, uh, not at the same place, but, um, Mm -hmm. both, both separately in the industry. Um, we decided to start a family. We were pregnant with our first child and at 20 weeks pregnancy, we found out that our little girl on the way, uh, had down syndrome. And that she also had a major heart defect that was going to require open heart surgery during infancy. So Mm -hmm. uh, a few weeks later, uh, due to some major complications, I was forced to go into bed rest. Uh, So as a bartender, you can imagine overnight, loss of income. Exactly. Overnight. I I had no ability to make money. And when you're 28 Mm -hmm. or 20 weeks pregnant, 20, I think I was 24 weeks when um, we were put on bed rest, but, um, at that point, you're 24 weeks pregnant. You know that a complicated pregnancy is coming up. So it really limits your options of what am I going to do to try and make some money for our family? Because knowing 
that we had a lot of medical things ahead of us, even still after her birth, we knew that it was going to be a tumultuous time. So overnight, I I lose the ability to make money. Uh, Luckily, we had a strong village of friends and family around us that helped us get through that time. Uh, She was born early at 35 weeks and she was three pounds, 14 ounces, a little, little tiny Mm -hmm. thing, but she was doing very well considering her, her preterm birth and small size and heart defect and all of that. We spent about six weeks in the NICU. Um, and then we went home for a few weeks, but then at three months she was, uh, we had to go ahead and proceed with her open heart surgery. So she had open heart surgery at three months old. She was less than 10 pounds. So you can imagine on a less than 10 pound baby, how tiny their little heart is. Um, So all that time I was not able to work. Uh, We had, we had to really kind of keep her in a bubble at home, kind of similar to this social distancing that we're all experiencing now. That was our life at that point for months uh, to make sure that she didn't pick up anything. Uh, that could potentially kill her, you know, a a common cold cold could have killed her at that point. Yeah. So I couldn't work and bring home stuff, uh, bring home things to her. And so we kind of stayed in our bubble. And like I said, friends and family stepped in and helped us immensely. And um, then she went through her open heart surgery. Surgery went great. She was doing phenomenal, uh, healing well. Uh, Then at six months old, we were in uh, seeing her pediatrician for a regular checkup, I noticed a few symptoms that had been weighing on me, and I asked her pediatrician about them. And long story short, about three days later, she was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia, uh, which is a form of blood cancer. Um, so it was it, it was absolutely terrifying after all we had already been through, uh, and, and we were finally taking a big deep breath, thinking that we were safe and. And now we just got to raise this little girl. And now all of a sudden we're hit with cancer. Um, So she, uh, we, we caught it extremely early. It was, it was kind of crazy early and we were able to wait about six months until she was right at a year old to begin treatment. Uh, During that time we had weekly blood draws, um, visits up to our local children's hospital, Uh, multiple visits a week in some cases, uh, multiple bone marrow biopsies during that time. So they were watching her really every few days, looking at what her blood counts were so that we knew the moment it was time to step in and and begin treatment. So, but this, this timeframe allowed us to allow her the time to get bigger and stronger and ready for chemotherapy and, and to continue healing from her open heart surgery that she had just been through. So, um, so that I can't imagine what that was like for you guys, honestly, it was, I mean, it was terrifying. Cause you, I, I feel like every time we, we, we couldn't catch our breath. Yeah. We couldn't catch yeah, our breath. And every time you feel like you can come up for a little bit of air, you get pushed back under. Absolutely. And it I, feels honestly, at this point, it feels like that was, that, that must've been someone else's life because I think we were in such survival mode that you just yeah. put one foot in front of the other and you just keep going and you just keep doing. Yeah. And then you don't allow yourself to feel all of the emotions. I, I've found myself at times, um, maybe it's a bad joke. I don't know. <laughs> I just say that now I'm kind of cold and dead inside because I think for so long we've had to really just put be in survival mode yeah. for so long. 
that 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 becomes but someone reminded me recently that I'm not cold and dead inside. I've just built a wall up. No. <laughs> and so I was like, I, I think, think you're right. I th- I thought I wore I it better. It's definitely, yeah, no, it's definitely not cold and dead on the inside. I think it's strength, period. You've been through this. And there are people out there that will hear this and hear that you literally went through what they're facing now. Varying degrees, maybe, but you've been there mm-hmm. and you've survived it. And I think that that is the most important message right now for anyone who's really just can't see the light in our business because, and in any business, honestly, it's not just our industry that's suffering, obviously, but I think that your story is so important to be heard right now because you are living, breathing, smiling proof that it ends (laughs) and you get through it. It you, You may get wave after wave. But you can eventually learn to surf the waves instead of letting them knock you back to the shore. You know? Oh, absolutely. And I and I think it does bro- it, it, it is a broader story than just related to the F and B community. But that being yeah. said, bringing it back to food and beverage, you know, that that's the industry that allowed me to continue working for my family during that time that I had multiple appointments a week to take her up to the hospital and, but I could still make money for my family because I didn't have to work Monday through Friday, nine to five. And I could work my schedule around to where I could take my daughter to all the medical, all I could get all of her medical needs done while my husband was working his, he he was working for um, corporate hours for, uh, for, as a chef um, doing mass production. And so he was working nine to five hours um, very Mm -hmm ish (laughs) nine to five ish but um but that allowed me to be able to continue making sure that all of her medical needs were taken care of while still providing for my family that the much needed funds that we needed so that is one of the other just the beautiful things about this industry is that it it does lend itself to so many varying differences between our families and what our needs are and and it allows for so much so it's one of the beautiful things but it also in turn that same beautiful thing that helped my family to be able to provide for my family in times like now or in times like when I went on bed rest immediately I I lost income yeah that's the downside I I actually want to know like obviously when we're serving people, when we're facing people, greeting people, bartending, whatever we're doing, Mm -hmm. facing the public and our income is contingent solely upon their generosity, mood or spirit in that moment that you're the person on the (laughs) receiving end. How did you handle it when you had so much personal stress? How did you manage to compartmentalize that to the point where you could put on a happy face and when someone complained that their burger took too long or their temp <laughs> was wrong or whatever, how did you not just implode on um, them? Like, that's what I want to know. Like, how did you get through that? Well, I will tell you, there were, there were, there were some days that were more graceful than others. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I'm human and there were definitely days that were, yeah. that were better than others. Um, but I also, I, I learned very quickly that that opportunity for me to be behind that bar and to see my regulars and to interact and to talk about anything but pediatric cancer was such a welcome thing. So I didn't focus on it when I was at work. It was almost like I trans 
boarded myself into this totally different life a lot of times when I was at work and I, and I would try and focus yeah. on anything, but cause every, every moment of every day of my life was pediatric cancer. So yeah, of course, of course I appreciate, I mean, that just, that is, that is a statement that shows how strong you are mentally <laughs> too, because this is the kind of thing that knocks a lot of people sideways right. or down entirely. And it's very hard, but the fact that you realize not only did you have to be strong for her and strong for yourself to get through it, but you had to be strong enough to compartmentalize everything you were going through, mm -hmm. create an alternate self for yourself to earn the money to continue to go through the process that was so painful. It hard. was. I mean, it's just amazing. Well, thank you. This is why you're the wittiest woman, <laughs> wittiest of women this well, year. Well, thank I mean, you. Truly, like your story, your story is a highlight of humanity. And I think that your story can help other people. I mean, it's just, I'm not saying that to be kind I <laughs> truly just admire but you, you are kind I wish I had a practice you are kind and, and I but I think that's what everybody has it in them it's just a matter of if when you're faced if and when it's not really even a matter of if it's when you're faced with something because maybe it's not going to be pediatric cancer for everybody but you know we're all faced with something at some point that just you feel like you're never going to get back up from and yeah. I and I'm a strong believer in sometimes you do have to fake it till you make it and you have to, mm -hmm. and, and I don't know if all psychologists and therapists would agree with me on that one, but I'm not saying push back those feelings and never experience the feelings, but I think it's not a matter of if you're going to experience something that is life altering or something that, it, that really takes you down and makes you question everything in your life and, and makes you want to curl up in a ball sometimes. It's a matter of when it happens because we're all going to experience pain and, and something. It may not be pediatric cancer, but it could be something else that takes you down or maybe multiple things at one time. I, I will say on top of the things that happened with my daughter, there were also a lot of other personal things that were happening at the same time or, or soon after that it felt like just one thing after another, just gut-wrenching punches to our mm -hmm. lives, yeah. um, including the death of my mother, the death of my very best friend, my husband's best friend passed away all in a matter of six years, including the six years that my daughter had cancer and open heart surgery and, and all of those things. So it was really actually a matter of like four years that all of these things happened. Um, yeah. So sometimes they're going to happen back to back to back like that. And then sometimes they're going to be few and far between, but no matter what, we're all going to experience something and having an outlet, I think is, is for me having that outlet of going to be behind the bar every day gave me this experience to maybe not focus so much of, uh, of my mind and my heart on pediatric cancer for those moments. And I think Absolutely. that was a really beautiful thing about the industry is it gave me this opportunity to go and I could talk to other adults. You know, I, I sat in a hospital room with a one-year-old yeah. day in and day out with, yeah. with nurses coming in periodically, but they can only stay so long because their job is so demanding. Yeah, so definitely. I was so by lonely. myself and my it was lonely. It was a very yeah. lonely time. It was probably the most lon lonesome time I've ever experienced in my life and may ever experience again because you feel so isolated from the world. You can't really go out and experience much of the world because you have these obligations and you want to be there for your child and you want to be there for your family. But 
it's also so isolating. So mm-hmm. I, I think part of it was really for me of maybe even more than the money I was bringing in that was um, for my mental health working, yeah. continuing working was one of the, the, the best things that I did for myself. Now, yeah. not to say that there weren't days that I showed up and I just couldn't do it. And I had um, amazing coworkers that stepped in and would say, you know what, I'm taking your shift tonight, go home. You, you, you need to go and just relax and be at home. Yeah. And, absolutely. and, and I think that's part of the, the, another just beautiful part about this industry and, and how it really is truly a family when you, when you work in day in and day out with these people, it really truly becomes a family and they look out for you and they, and, and they understand what you're going through and they want to be there for you. And I think as yeah. a, in the industry as a whole, we all want to be there for each other when we can. And that's why organizations um, like Witty and, and Core and that are really out there supporting the people that are working in this industry and are the backbone of this industry are so important. It is important. I mean, because you're right. Like I didn't have, I didn't have healthcare and, you know, that was one of the things like I was still bartending before we got married and I didn't have healthcare as a bartender, but all mm-hmm. of a sudden I had healthcare and that was a huge thing. Like, you know, marrying the military and you get healthcare, all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, you know what, that really makes your, the situation look a little bit better. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I did the same as for, as far as, you know, my husband was, uh, he was a chef and he worked for a larger company, a, a large corporation, a worldwide co- corporation. So he carried the benefits the entire time. And yes, the second we got married, I was, it it was a life changer. I finally could have health insurance that I could afford. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and it is life changing. So I think as an industry, it's really time to start talking about how we can really, truly care for each other yeah. in crises, Absolutely. like what's happening right now and just everyday life, because I think there's yeah. more we can do for our employees that are, are spending so much of their, their soul serving us, we should serve them better. Absolutely. And I think one of the key points is that I know that there's a debate of a restaurant industry as a whole or hospitality as a whole, like the cruise lines, the hotels, restaurants, entertainment, everything. Mm-hmm. There's talk of a potential bailout. And there's, you know, there's, there's an argument on both sides of the debate as there always is. But I think when you look at it, if we bailed out the banks, to protect the economy, we need to bail out the restaurants and the hospitality industry as a whole, because those are the people that keep the economy moving every single day, it, period. It, and they, and it's not the fat cats at the top. It's the people that you're interacting with every day that need our support. And they need to know that the country actually cares. Absolutely. About what's happening to them. If anybody saw my inbox right now of what I do day in and day out of the, the, the families that are reaching out to us right now, they yeah. literally don't know how the, they're, they're telling me how, how many children they have in their home and that mm-hmm. they don't know how they're going to keep putting food in their mouths, let alone keeping their home, keeping them clothed, keeping their car payment done so they can get to work once things get rolling again. What, so, mm-hmm. so what are we doing for these families that are, that, that are suffering so much and suffering so immediately? Oh yeah. Is I mean, it, this week I watched all of these, my clients are on the smaller side of the chain world, as you know, but mm-hmm. I watched them all go into shuttering locations and furloughing before it was mandated because they were doing the, they were making the hard decision 
at the very beginning to protect their employees as well as their customers. And that's not an easy choice. They, they're operating on thin margins and they know that they're putting their entire workforce into a tailspin, but they're doing it because it's the right thing to do. And they've taken the time to educate themselves on the situation. And as scary as that is for them and as, oh my God, I can't imagine what it feels like to make those decisions. I mean, all of these rest- national restaurant chains that are on the smaller side, they're not publicly traded, they're privately held. They made the hardest choice I think they've ever had to make in business by choosing to put their employees' health in front of their employees' income. And that is, as as sad as it is, the way that they process that, I mean, one company opened their entire pantry and kitchen and allowed their employees to come and take everything they could that was already open or perishable to take home and supply groceries to their families. Another one launched their That's $2 amazing. million. Dollar. I know. Another it's beautiful launched... to see each other. You, you know, there, there are so many that are taking care of each other. And, and that's the beautiful part. There is so much sadness happening right now and so much uncertainty and, and fear. But really, when you there's... look, there's so much beauty happening as well. Oh, yeah. And that's I... what it, you know, I don't want to say disregard the, the difficult things that are happening because we need to pay attention. We have to pay attention, but also make sure you're not missing those beautiful things that are happening in this world. I've seen, you know, some major corporations are spending some big bucks right now to try and help support this industry and, and, and trying to support organizations that are helping the industry as much as we possibly can. Um, Mm -hmm. Now that need is so huge. There has to be the understanding of like how much is really making a dent, but that's a whole nother conversation for another well, day. <laughs> and I and I was I was thinking about this, you know, running a foundation that supports our industry. I was really racking my brain. It we don't we haven't raised a ton of money um, because we've been focused on more of a raising awareness and visibility aspect. So I knew that I didn't have much that could make a dent, but I did want to tell you that I am going to donate ten thousand dollars from the Witty Foundation Witty Group to Core. Because uh, I know that you can do more with that. Amazing. So amazing. I wanted to. It's it's coming. Um, and we, we can't say thank you enough. You get it. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> the pleasure amazing. is mine. I can't just sit on money and and not help people. And I I don't have enough to really make a dent in the problem. But I know that you can help many more people immediately than I can. So, and we know that, but every little bit counts. And when you put every little bit together, it, it, it adds up to a greater sum that is really making a difference in the world. So I, on, on behalf of the organization, I definitely want to say thank you uh, for all of your support in, in years past and, and regarding this crisis right now. So it, yeah. it, it's people like yourself that have such a heart for this industry that um, allow us to to assist and support those families that are in this industry that are being affected immediately. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, this is my lifeblood. And if I'm not, if I'm not doing something to help, then I'm just in the way. And that that's obviously, that's not what I'm about. So I want to make a difference for everybody as much as possible. And, and right now that difference is helping you guys. So I'm here for you always as one of your ambassadors, but as one of your friends. Thank um, you. Absolutely. You just tell me what what you need and you can count me in to be on the front lines helping you. 
I, I think, you know, one of the biggest things right now that what we can do is look into your local communities and, and reach out to the people that you know that are relying on this industry for mm-hmm. their, their livelihood and see what you can do to help them personally. You know, I think that's going to yeah. be a big thing is reaching out to your neighbors and your friends and your loved ones and saying, what can I do to help you? Yeah, that's very true. Looking out yeah. for each other. Yeah, we're working on quite a few different things to kind of help make an impact in one way or another. Um, but definitely, I'm I'm here. I want to be involved. I always want to help. <laughs> and I am so grateful for you giving me the time in spite of the craziness that you're facing right now. Your message is critically important to get out right now. It's never been a better time to talk about your experience and what you're doing for our industry. So I thank you for taking a break from the chaos. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure and it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Oh, no, seriously, the honor is all mine. Now, I do want you to tell people how best to reach you or reach CORE. Um, It's your call. If you want them to reach you directly, that's fine. But (laughs) So to learn about what we're able to do right now um, regarding the COVID-19 crisis, uh, the best way to do that is to go to our website, which is uh, coregives.org. That's C-O-R-E-G-I-V-E-S.org. Um, or feel free to email me at Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, at coregives.org, and I'll be happy to speak with you. Awesome. And I'll be sure to put the link in the bio as well. And take care of your beautiful family. I know while you're taking care of all the rest of the beautiful families out there, I appreciate you. Thank you for being you and doing what you're doing. One thing I have to interject real quick. What? Because we always, because I always forget to do this and people ask me, they're looking at me with bated breath. When I tell her story, they're like, how is she now? Oh yeah. (laughs) So I never want to leave people hanging on that. Claire, our beautiful daughter, is six years old, healthy as can be, thriving in kindergarten, a little stir crazy right now during social distancing, but doing phenomenally well and healthy as can be. So I always want to make sure that I throw that in there because people are always left wondering, well, how is she? So no, thank you for closing the loop on that story for sure, because it does have (laughs) a happy ending, folks. And this there is a happy ending. There's always just wait for it. Just look for it. There's always something to find, even in the dark when you can't find anything. You'll always stumble into a flashlight. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you, sweetheart. I'm so grateful for your time and and for everything that you're doing and, and for your friendship, especially grateful for you too thanks girl and thank you all for tuning in to lawler out loud mixing up the mainstream